Welcome to the White Coat Life Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Certified Coach Paula White, MD. If you're a physician in academic medicine looking for skills to understand and take control of your experiences, both in work and out, this is a great place to start. Hey everyone, thanks for joining me again today. I thought we'd spend some time talking about a source of a lot of workplace discomfort for a lot of people, which is emotional dissonance. I found a couple of different definitions for this. One is that emotional dissonance is the conflict between your experienced emotions and the emotions expressed to conform to display rules. So in other words, your true emotions don't match the ones that are expected of you according to workplace or social norms. Another definition I found is a negative feeling that arises when a person perceives an emotion as a conflict with their identity. Now, both variations of this are a cause of work dissatisfaction and can lead to disengagement, burnout, and turnover. I think both definitions are useful, and they definitely describe situations that most folks will run into from time to time, but I'm mostly going to focus on that second one. The uncomfortable feeling you get when you really feel one way, but you think you're supposed to feel another based on your own personal values. So when I was doing a little bit of researching about the definitions and the topic, I came across an article giving advice on how to combat emotional dissonance in the workplace. And the take-home message was, you should change the way you act in the future, and this will make you trick yourself into thinking that those actions aren't really out of alignment with your beliefs. That's pretty close to the exact wording. I'm really glad I came across that article because my own opinion is that this is an excellent example of the exact wrong approach. And yet it's probably the kind of advice that most people will get or come across when they're trying to resolve something like this. So let's pick it apart. The first reason I think this is bad advice is the most obvious. They're trying to reverse engineer the emotion and action relationship, and it usually doesn't work that way. Yes, there's some nuance to this, and it isn't all or nothing. But let's use an example. If you're feeling kind of grumpy and just sort of generally in a bad mood for no good reason, doing something nice or kind for someone else can help you shake that off. But the reason you can start to feel happier isn't really because the action of doing the nice thing made you change a belief. Rather, the ability to switch gears and do the nice thing comes from you stepping out of your wallowing and practicing a thought cycle that you already believe, one that serves you better in this moment. Walk through it. When you show up at work grumpy, it can be because of any number of reasons. And I'm putting reasons in air quotes because your reasons are just thoughts that you're thinking about your current perceived circumstances. But let's just keep it generic. So you show up at work and you're feeling grumpy. Except maybe grumpy isn't the best descriptor because in my mind, I think of grumpy as being like a little bit funny. When I think of grumpy, I think I'm crabby, but I also have some awareness of it and I realize I'm being ridiculous. So how about sullen? If you're feeling sullen, you're definitely thinking some sort of sullenness-inducing thoughts, though you may not be aware of that in the moment. It might be something like, I don't want to be here. Or maybe even a little pity party, like, it's not fair. And then you feel sullen, which makes you want to act in unfriendly ways and be short with people which reinforces the idea that you really shouldn't be here right now because you're certainly not creating any joy for the people around you, much less for yourself. Except you had enough awareness to notice the wallowing and realize what your current thinking, feeling, doing cycle is creating for you, 
and you decided that maybe you'd rather create something a little more pleasant since you're going to stay at work anyway. And then you changed course. The course correction didn't happen because you adopted a new belief or you tricked yourself into one by doing different things. It happened because you selected, from your currently available thoughts, one that served you better. Something like, if I'm going to be here anyway, I can at least try to be nice to people. Which made you feel, I don't know, maybe resolved? And then you did the nice thing, like checking in with your staff about their kids or asking a colleague about their weekend. Whatever. And whatever it was, was also being nice to yourself because spreading positivity is good for you. So I'm using a lot of words here to describe what's happening in a split second, often without much or any conscious thought. It might be something really intentional, but it might also just be those duck legs paddling away below the surface. All of which is to say, even when we think we're creating a new belief by doing different actions, that's probably not what's really going on. The second argument I have with the article's advice change your actions, and trick yourself into thinking you're not out of alignment with your beliefs, is why on earth would you want to try and gaslight yourself about acting concordant with your core beliefs? It sounds like a terrible idea to me, and one that is almost definitely going to result in more angst and more discomfort in the long run. Your brain is smarter than that. Give it some credit. Now, I think I know where they're getting at, but the approach just isn't quite right. A better option is to maybe examine your current beliefs and assess whether they need adjusting. Something that creates a lot of emotional dissonance for doctors is when they fall short of what they think they should be doing for their patients. Even when some part of their brain knows and understands that it's unsustainable and unreasonable. The internal conflict comes from the emotion of relief when the self-preservation kicks in and they draw some sort of line and say, okay, this is what I can do, and beyond that, you're on your own, versus the belief that if they were a good doctor, they'd go all of the extra miles for all of the patients. So how can they be so selfish and so self-centered and put their own needs above the patient's needs, and maybe they're just lazy deep down, and maybe they're not fit to be a doctor at all if they're feeling relieved to be declining any amount of extra work that would help someone else. So This is where I say, instead of just trying to force the actions and your current belief system to fit together, how about reassessing the beliefs themselves? The problematic belief that is the driving force of the scenario we just described is, if I don't do everything for this patient, I'm not a good doctor. And a better belief might be, if I have reasonable limits about what I am and am not able to do for each patient, I will be a better doctor for all of my patients. If you're worried that adopting a belief like that is going to be the first step down a slippery slope where you gradually do less and less for your patients and you slowly become someone you aren't as proud of, that's probably not going to happen. No, I can't guarantee what anyone is going to do or be in the future, but that's not how it usually goes. Someone who's thoughtfully examining their available bandwidth and deciding how much to allocate to which activities is someone who obviously cares a lot about what type of person they're showing up as. That dedication to your own well-being preserves your ability to keep being the kind of doctor or person that you aspire to be by making sure your expectations of yourself are reasonable and doable. Who do you think has more energy and creativity and problem-solving ability in an office visit or a hospital encounter? The doc who's constantly spiraling in emotional dissonance 
or the one who has the belief that serves themselves well and is able to consistently act in accordance with it. All right, and my last and most important complaint about the just change your actions and you'll believe something different advice is this. The underlying supposition to that advice is that emotional dissonance is something that can and should be eliminated. Humans are complicated, fallible creatures. We mess up. We make mistakes. It's normal, it's life, and it's not possible to eliminate it entirely. If you're just trying to sweep it under the rug and pretend it isn't happening, you're not going to learn from it. The more time you spend sitting with the discomfort that happens when you're out of sync with your values, the more you're able to understand why it happened, and then the less often it will happen in the future. But not never. Okay, so what about that first definition, the one where emotional dissonance is when you're actually feeling one emotion, but trying to display a different one in order to fit into an established norm? I don't know if we have any other Mulaney fans out there, but in John Mulaney's latest Netflix special, he's got a bit about this. So he talks about when he was a kid, he always wanted more attention and even kind of hoped that maybe one of his grandparents would die so he'd get more attention at school. His setup for this was brilliant. He got a lot of people to laugh as he was hinting about it, but not yet coming out and saying it. And then he called it out and said, see, you knew where I was headed with this, so I wasn't the only one. Let's put it into a medical context. Have you ever dealt with a patient who was determined to follow a course of action that, according to the available science, is highly likely to be detrimental to them? And not just that, how about someone who's really abrasive about it and tries really hard to get everyone to see why the medical team is wrong and they're right? Like, it's not just no thank you, I don't want your treatment plan, but trying really hard to engage you in a big argument about it. And then if the patient leaves AMA, do you find yourself feeling not just relieved, but maybe happy about it? Even though part of your brain might be feeling a little judgy about that, because of course you shouldn't be happy when most likely there's going to be a bad outcome for this patient. One of your core values as a physician is probably wanting your patients to be well, right? So it's not great if your dominant emotion, when they're most likely about to become very unwell, is that you're happy. Or how about this? Let's dig in even more. You strongly recommend a treatment or procedure because without it, there's a high chance of a life-threatening or life-altering event occurring. And the patient chooses not to accept your advice and is spicy about it and maybe suggests you don't know what you're talking about. And then everything turns out great. And the patient says, I told you so. How does that feel? Not great on your end, right? You might even find yourself feeling something kind of ugly about that one. But there's still that voice of reason inside. Of course, you don't actually want anything bad to happen to your patient. But that voice might be quiet in the moment compared to the bigger and uglier emotion. So the dissonance comes because of these two conflicting feelings that should be pretty much mutually exclusive, right? And the one that aligns more with your core values is harder to grab onto in the moment, which makes you wonder if maybe you're kind of a horrible person deep down. I'm guessing most of you know the solution already, which is that you're allowed to feel both. And the good news is, giving some airtime to the ugly one, giving it a name, and explaining to yourself why you're feeling it, generally helps it dissipate and lets you spend more time in the one that you truly align with more. So here's an example of mine, and I know that almost everyone can relate. I've talked about this before. 
I used to be really heavily invested in my ability to get pregnant patients up to date with flu shots and then COVID vaccines once that became an option too. I would have these impassioned discussions with them, like almost pleading with people. And if a patient wouldn't agree to it, I had a sense that I had somehow failed. Like if I had just explained it better, they would have understood and they would have agreed to it. The dissonance would come in because, as you can imagine, this kind of approach would occasionally result in a strained relationship. So then the dissonance happens where I mostly hope my patients remain safe and healthy, and I'm also kind of a little bit mad because I think they're making a bad decision, or I think they don't trust me. Within the last few years, once I accepted the fact that I don't control other people, my approach has totally changed. When a patient says no thanks, or whatever more vehement version of no thanks they choose, I usually say, listen, I promise I'm not going to try and make you do anything that you don't want to do. You're in charge of you. But is it okay with you if I just give you my spiel anyway? Almost everyone says yes. So then I go over the pros and the cons. Yes, the cons. There are cons to vaccines, even though I am so, so, so pro-vaccine and I get all of them myself and I really want everyone to. There are cons. And I say, this is why we recommend it, because getting these vaccines really improves the chance of you and your baby staying safe and healthy. And again, you always get to decide what's right for you. And then I ask if they have any questions, and then we move on. Now, anecdotally, I don't think I'm convincing any more or any fewer patients with this approach. It seems pretty much the same level of uptake in the patients who are sort of either undecided or on the no side. But... I haven't alienated any more patients because of flu shots like I used to. And I'm pretty sure I've got at least a few patients who trust me more because of this conversation, because I'm doing a better job of respecting their autonomy. So for this one particular topic, there's no more emotional dissonance for me. It's really nice. I recommend it. So the last thing I want to say on the topic is, Sometimes, when your dominant emotion is different than what you're supposed to be displaying based on the norms, sometimes it's because the norm is wrong. And you get to decide that. Now, you can argue that there's no such thing as right or wrong when it comes to emotions, and I agree with that. But what I mean is, this is a norm that you choose to reject. You can decide that you just don't want to conform to it. One of the best examples of this came from my residency. And just a brief warning, it's about a pregnancy-related tragedy. So if you're in a mental space where this isn't a good topic for you right now, just go ahead and end here. You've already heard the main points already. So I was on labor and delivery, and one of the attendings that I really connected with and saw as a mentor, she and I were working together that day. We had a patient with a full-term fetal demise, just devastating. We both cried with the patient through the delivery, and we cried together in the break room afterward. Well, we had a little time to regroup and regain our composure after that, and during that time, one of our partners came in, a junior partner as it happens, in fact, the most junior partner in the practice, and he explained to us that we needed to have better self-control and we shouldn't be showing emotion like that because doctors should be more professional. And besides, we needed to learn to not be so emotionally invested in our patients in the first place. So the attending I was working with very calmly explained back to him, I don't ever want to lose the ability to cry with my patients over a loss like this. Now, it does not matter what your personal opinions are about who is right and who is wrong, or maybe you think they're both wrong. All of that's irrelevant, so please don't get hung up on that. 
The point is that the established norm in medicine at that time was pretty much as that junior partner had described it, and her decision was just reject the norm. Like, nope, that doesn't work for me. I'm not interested in adopting it. It's just a good illustration that another way to drop the dissonance is to drop the norm, and there will be a time and a place where that's the right thing to do. Well, I thought this was going to be a really short episode, but turns out I've got a lot of opinions about it. So thanks for sticking with me. See you back next time. Opinions or views on this podcast or on my website are my own and should not be attributed to my employer.